Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. My name is Aaron, and I am one of your hosts. There's another host that is joining me today, Daniel Sun. Hey, yo. Now, real quick, before we start today's episode, I just want to say that if you would like to support the show, then there's a few ways that you could do that. One of the ways is Patreon. Each week, we release a Patreon-exclusive episode that only Patreon supporters can get access to. To sign up, it's only $5 a month, which is only 16 cents a day. Not only do you get an extra episode per week for that $5, but you also get access to our entire back catalog of past Patreon episodes. In total, we have over 80 extra Patreon episodes, which is over 100 extra hours of listening pleasure. To see this full list of Patreon episodes, go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, and click on the Patreon Episodes tab. There, you will see an entire list of Patreon-exclusive episodes that we have published. Also, today we added another Patreon-exclusive episode, which is over Skinny Bob. If you don't know what Skinny Bob is, it's pretty much a series of videos on YouTube posted by a certain user that has, well, Skinny Bob, an alien. So you get access to that episode as well as all of the others for just $5. Now, if you can't afford a Patreon membership, but you want to help us out, then you can leave us a written review on iTunes, and that helps us out a lot. However, don't feel pressured to leave us one if you don't want to. That's fine. We just want you guys, girls, aliens, reptilians, Bigfoots, Sasquatches, Chupacabras, ghosts, Illuminati members, underground lizard people, whoever or whatever you are, to enjoy the show. And that is the end of the announcements. So today's episode is over Valiant Thor. Now how this episode will go today is that we will start off talking about the story of Valiant Thor, and then we'll go into some strange facts and findings, theories, and of course wrap it all up with our own personal thoughts and theories. So with that being said, let's get into today's episode. In 1957, an extraterrestrial landed outside of Washington, D.C., and demanded to speak with President Eisenhower. This being claimed to be sent from an intergalactic council and urged the United States to disarm itself from nuclear weapons. What sounds like an unbelievable and easily dismissible story may actually be true. Over the years, photographs of this supposed alien have surfaced, as well as many respected military individuals have come forward claiming to have met him. Was this actually a spy from the Soviet Union? Or was planet Earth really visited by an extraterrestrial named Valiant Thor? So of course, this story is an odd one. It contains a lot of bizarre claims. But, strangely enough, Dan, it does have some FBI documents and photographs that back these claims up. All right, all right. 
Now, I just want you to keep in mind that this story that we're going to go over, it involves many different individuals and their claims. Now, we took all of these details and kind of turned it into an easy-to-follow timeline that goes over this individual valiant Thor from when he arrived on Earth to when he left. So we made it easily digestible for you. Now, with that being said, Dan, why don't you start this story off for us? This entire story begins on March 16th, 1957, in Alexandria, Virginia, which is located just south of Washington, D.C. At 8 a.m. that morning in the town of Alexandria, the local police were called by a local farmer claiming that some giant, strange, metal-looking ship had landed in an agricultural field near his farm. Shortly after that call, two on-duty police officers were dispatched to investigate what was going on. Around 15 minutes after the call, the two police officers arrived at the farm and got out of their vehicles. Initially, they were in shock. What they were witnessing was nothing like they had ever seen before. It was a giant metal saucer that was just sitting in the middle of a field right in front of them. The officers decided to start walking towards it to try and get a better look. As they approach the ship, a giant metal door on it opens up. This initially startles the officers and they both pull out their guns and point it at the opening of the door, anticipating some creature or being from out of this world coming out of it and attacking them. However, a creature doesn't step out of this UFO. Instead, a six-foot-tall, 180-pound man with brown wavy hair, brown eyes, wearing a silver and gold one-piece suit, steps out of the ship. The police officers lowered their guns and just stood there staring at this man. Now, this mysterious man then told the police telepathically that he meant them no harm and that his name was Valiant Thor, that he was sent here on Earth on a space mission as a diplomatic representative, and that he needed to speak with President Eisenhower. This telepathic message made the police officers become almost hypnotized. And by the way, from here on out, we're going to refer to Valiant Thor as just Val. Just a little FYI. All right, moving forward. So the police officers immediately agreed to help assist Val and placed him in the back of their police cruiser and started driving towards the Pentagon which was around 14 miles north of where they were located. Upon arriving at the Pentagon, the Secretary of Defense, Neil H. McElroy, along with six of his staff members, initially greeted this mysterious man. Val told Neil the exact same thing as he had previously told the police officers, that he needed to meet with President Eisenhower the Secretary of Defense immediately agreed to help Val. Six officials, six armed guards, and three Secret Servicemen escorted Val to an elevator. This elevator went rapidly down and opened up to a tunnel that contained an underground train. All the men got in the train, which led straight to the White House. And by the way, it is unconfirmed that there is actually a train underground leading from the Pentagon to the White House. but. Little known fact, the Pentagon 
is only three miles away from the White House, so it would make sense to have an underground train connecting the two. Just throwing that out there. All right. So after a few moments, the train arrived at another elevator where all of them got off. They took that elevator back up, which led them into the White House. Upon arriving in the White House, Val was then escorted into the office of President Eisenhower, who was already briefed and ready for his arrival. As Val walked in, the president stood up from his chair with the Secret Service surrounding him. Val extended his hand to shake that of the president's, and at the same time, all of the Secret Service men drew their guns and pointed them right at him. The president immediately told them to lower their weapons and then asked Val a question. Now, this next part is a quick conversation between Eisenhower and Valiant Thor in which we're going to act out really quickly. I figured it would be easier. So, Dan, you'll be Valiant Thor and I'll be Eisenhower. You good with that? Yeah, I'm good with that. All right, and let this begin now. What is your name, and where do you come from? I come from the planet your Bible calls the morning and the evening star. Venus? Yes. How can you prove this? What do you constitute as proof? I, I don't know. Will you come to my ship? My friend, I cannot come and go as I please. There are others to be considered. There are committees to be consulted and security measures to be adhered to. Please spend some time with us here. Let us better get acquainted, learn more from one another. And that's the end of the act. That was their conversation. Sounds like some pickup line. Yeah. What do you constitute as proof? Come to my ship. Let me prove it to you. Oh, my God. All right. So what happened next? All right. As soon as Eisenhower finished saying that, Vice President Richard Nixon walked into the room and right up to Val. As Nixon stood there staring at him, Val extended his hand and said, My name is Valiant Thor. Nixon shook Val's hand without hesitation and said, You have certainly caused a stir for an out-of-towner. Of course, we're not totally convinced of anything just yet. We are checking and double-checking everything you say and do. When Sergeant Young from Alexandria radioed in and stated that you had just landed in a flying saucer, we thought Sergeant Young had gone crazy. It was at this moment that Val looked at both Nixon and Eisenhower and told them why he was sent there to Earth. Val stated that in space, there was an intergalactic high council that oversees all the beings in the universe and makes sure that they do not destroy one another. This intergalactic council was worried about the Earth's nuclear capabilities and the possibility of the destruction of the human race brought about through nuclear warfare. Because of this, Val was sent to Earth for a time limit of three years to convince humanity to shy away from their use of nuclear weapons and for President Eisenhower to create a council against the use of these weapons. After thinking a little while on this, President Eisenhower said that Val's offer to help humanity would upset the economy of the United States and could plunge her into the abyss of chaos. 
Eisenhower politely told Val that the people of this planet were not ready to cope with such conditions of chaos that would come into existence if his recommendations were put into action. However, he did tell Val that during his three years here on Earth, that he could stay at a fully furnished apartment that was located inside the Pentagon, as well as help assist scientists on medical projects, space sciences, and come to meetings. Val agreed and was escorted by the Secret Service back to the Pentagon and into his apartment. In his apartment, Val was able to maintain communications with his ship, as well as keeping the Intergalactic Council up to date on the growing world tensions and his mission. Over the next few months during his stay, Val took part in many different meetings as well as many scientific tests. One test had determined that his IQ was well over 200. Another test wasn't on him but actually involved his silver and gold one-piece suit. Now this suit underwent rigid tests. They attempted to penetrate the material with a diamond drill bit, but it ended up snapping under pressure. They threw some acid on it, and it just kind of rolled off and burned a hole on the floor. And they even fired a high-velocity rifle at the uniform, but it didn't do anything. So, Aaron, did his, uh, his suit look like this one? That's exactly what it looked like. Gold members from Austin Power. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing I thought about. Uh, all right. In the report written up about the suit, it stated, Physical appearance, soft silver and gold fabric. Weight, six ounces, including boots. Close fitting like a tunic. No cuffs, pockets, buttons, zippers, clips, or hooks. Indestructible. Alright, so a couple weeks after this uniform was tested, Val heard about a meeting that was taking place where individuals who were interested in UFOs we're going to. So pretty much like a UFO conference. So Val decided to change into normal Earth-looking clothes and go to this meetup. Now this specific meetup was being held in the backyard of the home of Howard Minger in Highbridge, New Jersey. Now real quick though, in the 1950s, the public's fascination with aliens, visitations, and UFOs was a relatively new phenomenon. At this time, people didn't have UFO conventions or get-togethers, and the only one doing this was a guy named Howard Minger. Howard was holding these get-togethers at his farm and making claims that he was being visited by aliens. So, of course, word of these meetings spread, and Val heard about it and decided to go to one. Now, during this convention, Val claimed to be an alien himself, and that his name was Valiant Thor. He claimed that he came from a race of beings who lived within Venus, but not on its surface, like inside of Venus. Now, this race was superior to the human race in most ways. They were smarter, better looking, and less violent. He was sent here to protect the human race from themselves, and his number one mission was to make sure that nuclear war never occurred. You imagine sitting there at a convention and say, oh yeah, I'm an alien. I mean, did he wear his gold suit? No, 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 no. He just wore normal, normal clothes. There's actually pictures of him at this. Oh. Yeah, which we'll go over later, but yeah. All right. So the crowd was initially skeptical. However, he was able to wow them over by being able to speak any language or 
dialect any member of the crowd could throw at him. He then went on to tell the crowd that when he arrived on this planet, that he immediately went to visit President Eisenhower to offer his assistance in solving all of the Earth's problems. However, he was refused by Eisenhower and Vice President Richard Nixon. Now, at the same time at this UFO convention as it was taking place, a photographer named August C. Roberts was snapping several photographs of this convention. So over the next couple years, these actual photographs that August Roberts took started to circulate around the UFO community with the story being attached to it that, hey, this individual in this photograph, he's not a human being, but he's actually from the planet Venus, and his name was Valiant Thor. So that's what was going around in the UFO community. Yeah, so now we're going to fast forward to two years later in 1959. All right, in 1959, two years after Valiant Thor had arrived, he had continued to go to meetings with President Eisenhower and continue to meet with various high-level officials around the country. As his three-year mission was coming to a close, Val had still yet not convinced world leaders to stop arming themselves with nuclear weapons. So he decided to reach out to an individual named Dr. Frank Stranges. Now, this Dr. Frank Stranges was a self-proclaimed UFO expert, private investigator, and an evangelical Christian minister who went to conventions, these actual UFO conventions, and preached about aliens and their connections with the Bible. Now, at this time, that was really unheard of. Not many preachers were saying that, hey, angels in the Bible, well, hey, they were actually aliens. And guess what? Jesus was actually an alien. No one else was saying that. Just this Dr. Frank Strange's. So that was one of the reasons why Val chose to reach out to him. Just a little side note. You remember those photographs that were taken of Valiant Thor a couple years prior that we talked about and were making their way around the UFO community? Yep. Well, Dr. Frank Stranges actually had a couple of them and would put them on display whenever he was speaking at conventions. So keep that in mind as we go forward. All right. So it's 1959. And Dr. Frank Stranges had just concluded a lecture at the National Evangelical Center in Washington, D.C., in which he talked about UFOs and, of course, their connections with the Bible. Now, another thing he also had and talked about was those photographs of Valiant Thor. And he had them on display on like a little bench there that people could look at, along with other random UFO photographs that he had gotten over the years. So after his lecture, a woman approached Frank and showed him her Pentagon ID. The woman pulled Frank aside and asked him if he would like to meet the man in those photographs that he had, of course pointing to the photographs of Valiant Thor. Frank, of course, said yes. So she handed him a letter and told him to follow the instructions on it and to meet her at the curb in front of his hotel at 8 a.m. the next morning. That next morning, Frank was picked up at the front of his hotel and taken to the Pentagon. Upon arriving there, he was taken through a series of security doors and eventually entered a room where he was left alone with Val. Val turned to him, shook his hand, and said, Hello, Frank. Now, just a little quick side note that wasn't included in here. 
but whenever Frank was walking through the Pentagon and got into the specific room with Val, there was actually workers in the Pentagon that were doing paperwork that was near them that paid Frank no attention. And Frank said in his book, because I stayed up all last night and read his entire book, that he was under the impression that Val had those individuals mind-controlled to keep Frank and himself kind of like invisible to them. So just kind of keep that in the back of your mind. Interesting. Yep. So Val said hello to Frank. And then for the next 30 minutes, Frank and Val talked. Frank asked him where he was from, and, and Val, of course, said Venus. Frank then asked, hey, how many other beings from Venus are here on Earth? In which Val said that there are currently 77 individuals walking among you in the United States and that we're constantly coming and going. Frank then asked why Val was dressed in normal clothes, in which Val responded that he had changed out of his one-piece garment in order to allow officials a chance to run more tests on it before he left. Val then pulled out an extra one-piece garment and showed it to Frank. The suit glittered in the sunlight that was coming in through the Pentagon windows. Val claimed that it was made from materials not from this earth, and it can withstand fire, acid, moisture, and even a diamond bit drill test. It was at this moment that Frank noticed that Val had six fingers and asked him, hey, is that normal to have six fingers? And Val said, yeah, all people from Venus have six fingers. And guess what? We don't have fingerprints either. Frank then asked how long he had been there and why did he come to Earth? Would you figure that would be one of the first things he said rather than saying, hey, you got six fingers, is that normal? Kind of rude, Frank, but whatever. Sounds like someone off the Princess Bride. You never seen that movie, have you? Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it. It's a good one. The six-fingered man. All right. Val told him that he had been here on Earth for three years and was due to depart on March 16, 1960. That the time of his departure was growing near, yet he felt there was still so much more to do. Val also told Frank that he had come to Earth in order to help mankind, and I quote, return to the Lord. He also told Frank that God was displeased with the fact that mankind has backslided, but that there was still a chance for us if we would only get with the program and evolve. After that, Val concluded the meeting by saying, and I quote, Please keep your faith and leave the same way that you came in. Continue to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all other things will, in time, be added unto you and yours. Goodbye for now. God bless you and keep you always. After that, Frank left the Pentagon and started preaching more and more about Valiant Thor and his message. On March 15, 1960, the day before Val was scheduled to leave, he attempted one last time to convince President Eisenhower to abandon nuclear arms. However, almost all the government officials opposed the idea. The following day on March 16th, Val was standing in his apartment in the Pentagon and dematerialized. He teleported to a wooded area in Alexandria, Virginia, where his ship and his crew were hidden, awaiting his arrival. According to Frank, 
Valiant Thor and his entire crew are still aboard their spacecraft called Victor 1. The spacecraft is parked near the shoreline of Lake Mead in Nevada and is surrounded by a force field, which keeps it hidden from everyone's view. So that is the official story of Valiant Thor, which it's pretty crazy, right? It's almost unbelievable. It's an interesting story. Certain parts of it kind of... Yeah, yeah, I'm right there with you. But hey, guess what? The story doesn't stop there because there's still like a lot of weird shit that surrounds it that we have not even gotten into yet. Now, before we get into it, we're going to take a quick 60-second break and we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All right, welcome back. So, Dan, let's hop into the strange facts and findings about this Valiant Thor story. So, can you start us off and tell us about the first strange fact and finding? Of course. So, our first strange fact and finding revolves around that Dr. Frank Stranges. Now, after Frank supposedly met with Valiant Thor, he stated that since the initial meeting, that Val has reached out to him multiple times since. For example, On the morning of June 5, 1968, the day of the Robert Kennedy assassination in Los Angeles, Frank claims that Valiant Thor called him and asked him to meet him at the San Diego airport. Once he did, they drove to a small town in Sonora, Mexico called San Felipe. There in this small town, they went to a secret location where Valiant had a flying saucer at. Both of them got inside of it, and while inside there, Val told Frank that he had met Bobby Kennedy a couple weeks back and that he had told him not to run for president in 1968. Frank was like, uh, okay. And kind of like confused as like Val had taken him all the way to freaking Mexico to sit in his ship for him to tell him this. He was like, okay, why are you telling me this? Val was like, hold on and went up to a monitor in his ship and turned it on. Now, on this monitor, Val and Frank watched in real time as it showed Bobby Kennedy getting assassinated. And that's what Frank claims. Wow. Which, kind of like a threat almost, at least I would perceive it that way. Yeah. If Val was like, I told him not to do this, Watch this. And then all of a sudden you see somebody get killed. It's like, what are you trying to say here, Val? Are you trying to say I need to, I need to listen to you, and if I don't, I die? At least that's the way I perceive it. Oh, I hope that's not the case, though. Yeah, but there's also another claim that Frank made, which, tell us about it, Dan. Now, like Aaron said, that was like the only strange thing that Frank claims. 
He also said that six years after that in 1974, he went to meet with some individuals from Venus that Val had sent. However, during this meeting, the famous Men in Black ambushed Frank and the individuals from Venus. Frank claims that he fought off the Men in Black with the help of the individuals from Venus, but that he also used his own martial arts training. <laughs> so we got a bona fide badass over here. Is that what I'm hearing? Oh, God. Those type of claims is what makes this hard to believe, Frank. Hard to believe. Mm. Yeah. And that's where I was kind of like, ooh, this is, this is a really not believable story. But there's some stuff that saves it, Dan. So let's get into our next strange fact and finding, which revolves around this entire story and where it came from. So this story about Valiant Thor, like we said, is a complicated one. It's a combination of stories from different individuals. Now, when we first started looking for sources as to who talked about Valiant Thor, we found that the majority of the story comes from a book that Dr. Frank Stranges wrote in 1967 called Stranger at the Pentagon. In this book, Frank talks about how he heard rumors that Valiant Thor existed. Then he was given photographs of Valiant Thor, and then during a conference, he was invited to meet him in Washington, D.C. So that is Frank's story, but where did he get the information on how Valiant Thor came to Earth? Well, that information was written in Frank's book as well, and it came from an individual named Harley Bird. I mean, initially, we were kind of skeptical about this whole Val story. However, whenever Harley Bird gets brought into the picture, this is where this story has some kind of merit to it. And it makes you wonder. So that takes us to our next strange fact and finding, which is about this individual, Harley Bird. So this Harley Andrew Bird was the nephew of Rear Admiral Richard E. Bird. Do you remember him, Dan? Yes. Yeah. So if you aren't familiar with Rear Admiral Richard E. Bird, let us explain really quick who he is. So Richard Byrd was a part of the U.S. Navy and was the first man to fly over the North and South Pole. In 1947, Admiral Richard Byrd commanded 4,000 troops, warships, and planes on a top-secret expedition to the South Pole known as Operation High Jump. This Operation High Jump was kept from the public and included him exploring secret Nazi bases, and trying to find a secret passage under Antarctica that led to what he described as a hollow realm within the Earth's core, which this was the first mention of the Earth being hollow. So needless to say, Harley Bird's uncle was pretty popular, which caused him to kind of like follow in the footsteps of his uncle, and he ended up joining the U.S. Navy. Now, when he was in the Navy, his uncle ended up passing away. And after his uncle's funeral, Harley was approached by a group of individuals and recommended for a security clearance. He was sent through a lengthy six-month background study and was granted a top-secret clearance. He was then transferred to the Chief of Naval Information and worked in the security clearance section 
and then was eventually transferred into the branch office of the Air Force called Project Blue Book. Real quick, if you aren't familiar with Project Blue Book, it was the codename for the government's study of unidentified flying objects by the United States Air Force from March 1952 to 1969. So Harley Byrd joined this joint service office of Project Blue Book. He stated that the work there was routine, that he would open incoming mail and sort out what was called actual sightings as opposed to fake UFO photos. Harley also said that uh, his group kind of acted as a public information office, much like a public relations office, and that their group actively made sure that information regarding real UFO encounters, that it was suppressed due to secret national policy to protect the public from knowing about UFOs. Now, that is strange in itself. However, how does it connect to Valiant Thor? Well, Harley actually came out and told Frank Stranges about his story of how he heard about Valiant Thor, which Frank wrote about it in his book, and Harley stated, and we quote, In mid-March 1957, we received an urgent message from the Alexandria Police Department. The message indicated that two of their on-duty police officers had picked up an alien who had landed some 14 miles south of Pentagon Boulevard, and the occupant was transported to the Pentagon to meet with the Secretary of Defense and then shuttled underground to meet with President Eisenhower and Vice President Richard Nixon. The meeting lasted for nearly an hour, and then the alien visitor was put on VIP status and was shuttled back to the Pentagon, where he spent the night in the Army reception office on the first floor. This alien's name was Valiant Thor. The landing of Valiant Thor was perhaps the first documented landing of a human-type alien by military officials. Now, during Valiant Thor's stay, he met with the president multiple times to discuss the world's problems and offer advice and counsel on how to deal with and eliminate them. He indicated to President Eisenhower that the world was in a precarious situation and that if the world continued to proceed on a war footing, which Valiant Thor felt would be a self-destruct mode, it would cause an economic imbalance throughout the world. Valiant Thor stayed on Earth until March 16, 1960, and then disembarked to his home planet Venus. He indicated that his race of people lived and dwelled underground, and that many of the planets throughout the universe sustained life in the same manner. He also mentioned the waves of aliens who would land around the world to help with the Earth's problems. He stated that a group from a distant planetary system would be coming to give aid and data to help the Earth's progress. Valiant Thor spoke of Christ's presence in the universe and that it was heartwarming to see Christ's advanced teachings continuing. This visitation at the Pentagon marks perhaps a new era in knowledge, wisdom, and understanding on our planet. And that's what Harley Bird said. He kind of like told Frank about how Valiant Thor arrived on Earth and what all happened all the way up to when Frank met Valiant Thor. And that was added to his book. So that's where it comes from. Interesting. Yeah. 
So let's let's roll into the next strange fact of finding, which is I'm sure a, a question that a lot of people have. All right. So our next strange fact I'm finding is a question that many people ask, like Aaron said. If this really happened, how is it being covered up and not being reported on by other countries around the world? Well, in his book, Frank states that Valiant Thor addressed a special group of representatives at the United Nations in a closed session. This meeting made the United Nations members set forth a guideline that forced the exclusion of this happening from the media. So yeah, pretty much Frank stated that, hey, Valiant Thor had a special meeting with a bunch of people in the United Nations, and those people ended up saying, hey, we can't talk about this, and you have to exclude it from all media. Which, if this is true, then that means that they have control over the media. Which, I mean, we know for a fact that they kind of do, right? Yeah. Anyways, all right, so let's keep going on with the strange facts and findings. All right, so our next strange fact and finding revolves again around this Dr. Frank Strange. So we started digging around to see if Frank had any FBI connections or mentions or anything like that. Now, what we found was that in 2010, the FBI had published some paperwork in response to a Freedom of Information Act. Now, this paperwork detailed the NICAP, which was the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena. This paperwork showed that in 1962, the secretary of this investigation committee wrote to J. Edgar Hoover. In the letter to Hoover, it said the following. Enclosed is a report prepared by this committee on Dr. Frank Strange's, which may be of interest. The letters cited in our report state that Dr. Strangers implied he was associated with the FBI to certain of individuals. Yeah, so this NICAP, this National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena, it was just kind of like a public committee that anybody could join. And they had a special investigation committee inside of this committee. And they wrote to J. Edgar Hoover to say, hey, this Dr. Frank Strange, he's claiming to be a part of the FBI. So that committee was kind of like a snitch, you know. Mm. So anyways, um, another file in this report showed some internal communication with the FBI office in which they were kind of like talking about Dr. Frank Strange's. So this document states, Dr. Strange is an evangelist. Based on his background, numerous addresses and organizations which he has had, and the fact that he claims to have talked to an individual from the planet Venus, it appears that he may also be something of a confident man. However, during the investigation of Dr. Strange's, no one was located who had actually heard Dr. Strange's make any such allegations of him being in the FBI, although it was generally conceded that he had left a number of people with such an impression. So basically is what they said. The FBI said, okay, we got that memo from Hoover, right? He passed it on to us. We did the investigation into Dr. Strange's. We couldn't find anything credible as to him saying he was a part of the FBI. So there's that. That's all we could find on him about the FBI. So there you go. Very interesting. Yeah, so let's go to the next strange fact and finding. So our next strange fact and finding is the pictures of Valiant Thor. We talked about them earlier. 
Like we stated, these photographs of this mysterious individual around the president and in official government meetings started making its rounds. Now, this was the same individual that was also photographed at the UFO convention that stated he was from Venus and started talking in all different languages that people tossed at him. After doing reverse image searches and facial scans and searches all over the internet, there are no other photographs of this person's face anywhere online. So yeah, we do have a couple photographs of this valiant Thor individual that we'll have on our website. You can go to theoriesofthethirdkind.com, then click on the references tab, and then scroll all the way down to the bottom, and you'll see the first image we'll have, which is of Val and a couple of his friends at that backyard, kind of like UFO convention. And he's supposedly the individual that's leaning forward, the third individual down, furthest away from the camera. Ah. And then if you scroll down to this next photograph, there you have him again. Looks like it's just from the other side this time. Yep. Huh. So yeah, that's Valiant Thor. I actually thought, or I pictured him as the guy sitting down in the middle there. No. He just looks like an alien. Yeah. So our next strange fact, if I any, kind of adds more pictures to this. So as we were looking for more photographs, we happened to come across uh, an individual who we are familiar with, um, Phil Snyder. Now, you remember him, right, Dan? He's the one who has claimed to be on multiple black projects. I think I remember him. Not 100%. Yeah. So this Phil guy, he was a geologist and an underground construction expert who claims that he had spent like 17 years working on government black projects. So in 1995, Phil spoke at a preparedness expo where he told a story about his father. Now, Phil's father was Oscar Schneider. He was a medical officer for the USS Eldridge. And we have a picture of him right here that we'll have linked up under the references. Now, Phil claimed that his father had met an alien man while in the military. This alien man's name was Valiant Thor. Now, to prove this, Phil actually showed a photograph of his father in a meeting with Valiant Thor. Now, we do have that photograph, and it's the one that has the red circle on it. It's a black and white photograph. It looks like a whole bunch of military individuals in a meeting. The person with the red circle around their head is supposedly Valiant Thor. And then the person to the, directly to the right of him that you can see his hands kind of like together and his head kind of down but his eyeballs up. That is Oscar uh, Schneider. Okay. But I don't see the resemblance of Valiant Thor right there. No. Different, looks like a different nose and ears. Looks more like the middle guy in the photograph. Yeah, but if you scroll down too, you'll see another photograph, uh, kind of like a screenshot of Phil's conference, and it actually shows him holding up the photograph and him talking about it. So it's kind of like proof, like, yeah, he did say that there. It's a good strange fact and finding we thought should be added. I liked it. Yep. All right, so let's get into our last strange fact and finding. So, Dan, do you want to tell us about this one? So our last strange fact and finding is about an individual named George Adamski. In 1952, this George Adamski collaborated with author Desmond Leslie on a book titled Flying Saucers Have Landed. 
This book was about George's true story about his contact with men from Venus, Mars, and Jupiter. Just a random knowledge nugget, though. This would be the first time a person claimed to have encountered alien beings. All right. So in this book, George states that it all started on November 20th, 1952. On that day, George, his secretary, and a couple other people had made a day trip into the barren areas near Desert Center in California. The group spent their day exploring until about noontime when they all sat down to eat some lunch. Now, at that time, a plane passed low over their heads and kind of drew their attention into the skies, in which they saw a gigantic cigar-shaped silvery ship without wings or appendages of any kind, and it was just hovering there in the sky. About five minutes, a smaller saucer-shaped craft appeared and settled into a cove about half a mile from their location. Around this time, George suddenly noticed a man standing at the entrance of a ravine about a quarter of a mile away. George approached the man, and then he said that he quickly realized that he was a being from another world. This spaceman was about 5 feet 6 inches tall and weighed about 135 pounds. His skin appeared sun-tanned. His face, framed by shoulder-length brown hair, was rounded with an extremely high forehead and large grayish-green eyes that were slightly slanted at the outside. The only clothing he wore was a one-piece chocolate-brown jumpsuit-type garment. This being could not speak English, so he and George communicated through hand signals and telepathy. In summary, the alien indicated that he was part of a friendly diplomat from the planet Venus. He had come to Earth out of concern for a recent nuclear testing. And uh, Earth, he warned, was in danger of destroying itself and surrounding planets. Soon, the being indicated that he had to leave, and he returned to his craft, which sped away. Now, that was written in 1952 by this Leslie author, and the story was from George. Now, what does that sound exactly like? What we just talked about. It really does. Almost exactly. Which, it makes you wonder if Frank just made this whole damn thing up. But then it begs the question, well, who the hell is the guy in the photographs? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. This is where we get into the theorizing part. We start hypothesizing and discussing, like, what this could actually be. Now, before we get into the theories, we're going to take another quick 60-second break. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Love you. Bye. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, thank you for sticking around. Now we're going to get into some juicy stuff and do some theories. So Dan, start it off for us and tell us about the first theory. All right. This theory is that all of this was made up by Dr. Frank Stranges. Frank took inspiration from not only George's encounter, but also inspiration from other stories in order to make him a big-time UFO author, but also as a way for him to spread his gospel of Jesus to alien and UFO believers. I kind of believe this. As soon as they started involving, like, Jesus as an alien and stuff like that, it was just like, oh, no. Yeah. Like, really? You got to bring religion into it? Come on. Yeah, and I was like, ah, damn it. It was a good story. And then as soon as he met Valiant, Valiant was like, yeah, Jesus, man. Got to have Jesus and God. Which, nothing, if you believe in Jesus, cool, right? We just don't get into religion on here. and We don't get into politics. But it rubs me the wrong way. I had the feeling that Frank was like a fraud. And just like this theory, he used, he made this story up as a way to push like the narrative or propaganda that he wanted. Just doesn't sit well with me. No. I mean, the story was good. Then that, just that part, just throwing that in there, just like, uh, you ruined it. Yeah. All right. So let's go on to the next theory, which is that Valiant Thor was real, but the government hired Dr. Frank Stranges to make the story unbelievable and for people to automatically dismiss it as being sort of like a Christian crusade. Also, you have to think, if, if this was real and aliens did come, wouldn't it make sense that they would make themselves look just like humans to kind of like blend in? Yeah. Issue I have with this right here is that if the story is real, if he really did come to try and convince President Eisenhower to get rid of all of his nuclear arms, why didn't he just use his hypnotizing that he was doing to everybody else, right? He hypnotized the police officers to take him to the Pentagon. He did it with the Secretary of Defense, did it with everybody else. But the only two people he didn't do it to was President Eisenhower and Vice President Richard Nixon. That was one of the holes in the story where I was like, hmm. But then again, maybe that was just added to the story to make it unbelievable. Perhaps. I don't know. I was going to say something about like higher intelligence. Like you couldn't, he couldn't like force someone that has a higher intelligence. And I'm just like, if Valiant Thor really was an alien and all that. And they said he had a high IQ of over 200. So obviously, I mean, I don't know what Eisenhower's IQ was, but I don't think it was over 200. <laughs> so I don't know. Let's look. President Eisenhower IQ was 132. 122 to 132. Well, that's not bad. So he was above average. But not above Val. Wow. <laughs> President Nixon had the highest IQ at 155. And President George W. Bush had the lowest at 91. Oh, man. All right. So go on to this next theory for us, Dan, which is my personal favorite. All right. So this theory is that Valiant Thor was real. The UFO was real. However, they were both from Earth and not space. This theory is that Val was a spy sent from the Soviet Union. At that time, the United States was in the Cold War with them. 
and the Soviet Union had the idea of getting the United States to disarm their nuclear weapons. So how do they do this? Well, they create a flying saucer from the Nazi technology that they got after World War II. They then send an individual on the UFO, pretending to be an alien from outer space, and have to go to the Pentagon and request a meeting with the president and try to talk to him about disarming nuclear weapons. If successful, the Soviet Union could then attack the United States and not have to worry about getting nuked. What do you think of that one? I mean, that's an interesting one. Yeah, it's a lot of work, though. And that's a lot of work. It's a lot of work just for disarming. But hey, at the time, it, it, it fits, right? World War II had ended previously. There was rumors of the Nazis having some type of like flying saucer technology and that it was being passed over to like the Soviet Union. And we were in the Cold War with them around this time. I don't know. Didn't some of the German Nazis or some of the Nazi scientists come over to the United States as well? Yeah, that's Operation Paperclip. Yeah, so I figure, like, I mean, they probably didn't get the same documents or whatever, and not all the scientists worked on the same things, I guess, but figured they would have noticed this flying saucer and be like, hey. Hey, that's our own technology. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could see that, but I don't know. Yeah. That's, like I said, like, that's a lot of work to try to do that. Because honestly, I mean, yeah, they probably get nuked, but, Considering if that was a Soviet spy, dude, he was able to go right up to the president. Oh, yeah. He could have taken out the president and the vice president. Yep. Pretty much everybody that's like high up. He did ask them initially to come to his spacecraft and see it. And Eisenhower was like, nah, I'm good. Maybe he wanted to take him hostage. Maybe. And maybe that uh, intergalactic uh, federation or council was actually the Soviet Union. Okay. I don't know. Just an idea, man. Throwing it out there. But if you had to pick, yes or no, do you think Valiant 4 as an individual was real? Well, there are photos. Okay. They're They're not Photoshopped, right? No. So that person that said his name was Valiant Thor is real. Do you believe he's from Venus or outer space? No. I do not. Do you think he might have been just like a top secret undercover U.S. agent who was a part of like some program investigating UFOs and he would go to these like conventions like Howard Menger would host to try to get intel to make sure that the United States government knew everything there was about UFOs? Hmm. And that people just kind of like took pictures and like, we don't know who this mysterious man is let's create this false narrative or Dr. Strange was like, hey, let's create a false narrative around it to help push my Bible alien connection. I could see that. Yeah, that's that's my theory on what I'm going with because I tried looking into that uh, Rear Admiral Richard E. Byrd's nephew and I couldn't find anything on his ass. Harley Bird? Harley Bird, yeah. I tried tracking his lineage to see if that was really his uncle. Didn't track, couldn't find him, nothing. Hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, we don't really hear anything from about Harley Bird. Richard Bird, yes. Yeah. Now, Harley Bird did go on Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell, I think like in the early 90s, and made a lot of claims about his uncle and what he saw. 
And I tried finding that interview for us to listen to, and I could not find it. It's hard finding old Coast to Coast AM uh, audio, especially small clips of interviews like that. Because if you don't have it, and you don't have it time-stamped anywhere, you have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of audio clips of him doing Coast to Coast AM every night for years. It's like, I don't have time to listen to all those. We'd be only putting out like one episode a year. Yeah. All right, listeners, if you have that audio, send it to us. (laughs) Yeah, send it to our emails. Yeah. I mean, this is a tough one because, honestly, it started off really good. I really liked it. And it kind of seemed believable, except, I don't know, it throws me off the gold member outfit. Do they really have to be flashy? Nah. It's a good story on the surface, but when you really sink your teeth into it, it seems to kind of fall apart, in my opinion. I want to believe. I, I truly do. But there's nothing in here, in my personal opinion, that really states, hey, this shit may have actually happened. See. The one thing that I like, it jumps into my head that I think about is the fact that Valiant Thor walked out of the saucer and he's breathing normally on Earth. That means he can breathe oxygen perfectly fine. If he's from Venus, how the hell is he breathing oxygen? Well, what's the makeup of Venus? I'm pretty, I want to say that it's poisonous, ain't it? Let's look up Venus makeup of atmosphere. Venus atmosphere is made up of almost completely carbon dioxide. It also includes small doses of nitrogen and clouds of acid. The air of Venus is so dense that by mass, the small traces of nitrogen are four times the amount found on Earth. Hmm. But it's very hot there. Yeah, so Venus and Earth are similar in size. But however, standing on the ground on Venus, you would experience... uh, air about 90 times heavier than the Earth's atmosphere. Pressures are similar to diving 3,000 feet beneath the ocean. Oh my god. So he would have been, so he would have been like a Superman if he came to Earth. He, he would have been like Goku. Yeah. The carbon dioxide is 96% of the chemical composition of Venus atmosphere. Winds of about 224 miles per hour keeps the clouds of Venus in a constant motion. Though the planet spins slowly, only once every 243 Earth days, the clouds zip around the top of the planet's atmosphere every four days. That sounds like a shitty place to go to. Yeah. I mean, I could see why he would want to come to Earth then. Yeah, well, supposedly they're underground. They're in, like, tunnels in Venus. That's crazy, though, but I don't know. He comes to Earth perfectly fine, able to walk in the oxygen and all that stuff you know, get all the sulfuric acid in Venus. I mean, I guess the suit does protect him from all that, but does that mean he's wearing like a full body suit, like covering his face and everything too? That would make sense, right? Because he had booties on it. True. Didn't say anything about a face mask. No. I don't know. This entire story is interesting. It was good to look into, but I don't know. It doesn't pass my smell test. No. And I just don't believe they would have taken him straight to the president. Even though, like, you know, using telepathy and supposedly hypnotizing him, I still highly doubt that. Even if he landed in a UFO? Even if he landed in a UFO. You still wouldn't think that they'd take him to the president? Hell no, because then they would have more guards, like more army personnel surrounding the president, because now you have an unidentified being that's coming straight here being like, I need to talk to 
Eisenhower. He knew who the president was. He's from Venus. What does he get? Fucking Earth News? <laughs> like, I'm just saying. Hey, my worry would be it would end up like Mars Attacks, right? He gets, the president gets zapped with this beam and dies. Then you have a whole war. Oh, no, he doesn't get zapped. He does, does the handshake, then the hand comes off, or, and it stabs him right through the chest. Oh, yeah, that's right. I don't know. Story's sketchy. If anything, it probably was a spy. Or the whole story was just made up. I honestly believe the whole story was made up. This guy, uh, Frank Strangers, just wanted to be popular. Now, the guy that they took photos of, I don't know. It, maybe it was just a guy that's been in, hiding in his basement for so long. Comes out finally. Fancy, though. Fancy suit, fancy all that. But our Patreon episode over Skinny Bob, I believe that one. I believe those videos. Those videos are very, very, very well made. Oh, man, I found some... If made. I don't think it would... Well, eh, we'll save that combo for the Patreon. Yeah. All right. Um, so do you got anything else you want to add to this episode or anything? Yeah, where can I subscribe to uh, Earth News? Because I still don't know what the hell's going on on this planet. I don't know. That's a good question. All right. Well, that's the end of the episode. I guess that takes us to our uh, on the scene, which we don't have an on the scene this week. We didn't prep one. No. Uh, I think we actually ran out of on the scenes. So if you have it on the scene, send it to our email. And if you don't know what on the scene is, and this is your first time listening to us, uh, on the scene is a segment that we do at the end of the show each week. It's, um, it's where any listener or anybody around the world goes out in public and interviews just random individuals asking them questions about current conspiracies or happenings around the world. Make sure that uh, the audio, if, if you do do this, make sure that the audio is less than two minutes long and that you submit it to our email addresses of Aaron at theoriesofthethirdkind.com or you can send it to Dan at theoriesofthethirdkind.com. And it will be played at the end of the show each week. So if you want to, submit yours and you'll, it'll be played next week. Yeah, you could interview a stranger or a significant other or a kid. Yeah. You know, anybody. Ask them some questions. Open their minds to receive extra knowledge nuggets. All right. Uh, so that moves us on to shout outs. Do you want to do shout outs first or do you want me to? Yeah, I got my little list here. All right. Go ahead and start off with your shout outs, Dan. It's still a short list. I always have a short list. So first one I'm actually going to start with email. Aaron, you got it too. Joe Quinto, his MK Ultra song. Have to give him a shout out. That song was amazing. Oh my God. I downloaded that song on Apple Music and I've played it like every day. Yeah. At least a handful of times. It's so good. So good. It's on my playlist. So yeah. Joe Quinto, MK Ultra. Check it out. Really good song. All right. Then uh, let's see. From Facebook. I have Daniel H, Nate G, Allison V, Nikki K, which she asked for a shout out to her hubby, Big John. Hope I said the name right. Spelled differently. J-U-N, John, John, June. I don't know. But his birthday's on the 15th. So happy early birthday. Happy early birthday. Love you. Yeah. Then I got two from Instagram. Remy underscore 125 and then 
Macho Ham Randy Sandwich. Love that name. <laughs> yeah, boy. Cream of the crop. You. Uh, you. Snap it to a Slim Jim. Is that the right guy? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Got you three minutes. Three minutes of playtime. And then uh, two from Discord. Swayze and Night Fury. They knew who they are. Nice. And that is my shout out. All right. I'm going to see if I can get through a couple Instagram shout outs before my phone dies because I'm on 2%. Nice. Do it. All right. Uh, shout out to Max Sauce. Shout out to Grimes. Sent us a message saying, want to discuss the universe and human consciousness? Why, yes, I do, Elon Musk's baby's mama. Why, yes, I do. Shout out to Mac Ramsey's Orzoko. Uh, Mortem Parasis. I'm so bad at butchering names, by the way. Uh, Stuart J says Ghostface is his favorite Wu-Tang uh, member. Yeah, mine too. Love you, dude. Shout out to you. Shout out to FZ. Says, hey, can I get a shout out? I'm a big fan. Well, shout out to you, dude. Uh, Melanie Peters. Pansy Pony. Sherry Avok. Orvik. Uh, Bearded Ben. Jacob Graham. Anthony Fernandez. Adam Isaacs. Lisa Banks, and I'm pretty sure my phone just died. All right. So I'll have to finish the rest of those Instagram shoutouts and the rest of my personal Instagram shoutouts next week because I do not know where the charger is to my phone. Sorry, everybody. Um, let, me, let me check my email real quick, see if I got any shoutouts on my email. Shoutout. Shoutout. Uh, Shoutout to Abby. She says shoutout to her husband, Stuart. We're both getting married next year on Halloween, and he is, he is who got me into listening to the podcast. We both listen all the time. Well, thank you, Abby and Stuart, and uh, we better get an invite to that wedding. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we'll wear our masks. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see. Shout out to Ezekiel Mata. He said... Um, have you heard about this WKCR radio station hijacking? No, I haven't heard of that. I'll look into it, though. Thank you for sending me that suggestion. Christopher White, thanks for your email. He's from sunny Queensland, Australia. said that he loves the podcast. Love you, Chris White. Shout out to Tiffany Hall. She sent a picture that shows a billboard that says, Vote Joff Young. He's for peace. Vote May 17th. Abolish the CIA. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> These got balls on him. Good luck. Yeah. Shout out to Jed Perkins, Alex Galagos, MR, uh, R. Rosie Munoz, and Maxwell Weir. Love you all. And thank you for the emails and for the love. Nice. So I guess that kind of moves us on to... Free talk. All right, so how was your weekend, Dan? Was it a good one? It was good. Okay, so Saturday I actually went with my niece to North Carolina to sell some husky puppies, and that was a fun trip. Had some North Carolina barbecue, and uh, yeah, it was a nice little drive. Nice. I was exhausted afterwards because we left at like 9.15. I didn't get back till almost 6 o'clock at night. Damn. Yeah. But hey, at least you got some good barbecue. This is true. We went to Smithfield's Chicken and Barbecue. What'd you get? I got the barbecue uh, platter, which had 
barbecue, North Carolina barbecue, hush puppies, coleslaw, and I got fries with it. Nice. Dude, it's making me hungry. Oh, man, I'm going to have to go get something to eat after this. Dude, it was good. It was pretty good. Nice. They had uh, some, like, spicy barbecue sauce that I tried. Was it white? No. And no, that's not a pun. Like, there's, like, that white barbecue sauce. It's, like, almost like a ranch. Oh, my God, it's so good. Where did I see that? Alabama has that one. Yes. Oh, my God. You put that on your pulled pork sandwiches? Uh. I remember. It was delicious. That's awesome. What else do you do? Let's see. Honestly, that was really it. Sunday, I relaxed and just researched. Nice. Yes, sir. Yeah, I just, I worked Saturday and Sunday. Just watched some college football at work. Did some research at work. Uh, Was it Thursday? Thursday, I fell down the stairs. Was it Thursday or Friday? Yeah, it was Thursday. I think it was Thursday. Yeah, Thursday. Um, if you're not a Patreon member, then you, then you aren't aware of this. But Thursday, I ended up falling down two flights of stairs and got a concussion. So I've kind of like kept it kind of easy this week. You know, it sucked. I'm sort of kind of getting rid of my brain. My brain fog is kind of going away. Um, overall, you know, just kind of had a chill weekend of just working and doing research and now we're recording and that's about it pretty boring but yeah we did get some suggestions for uh trips to take oh yeah we did because we asked about hey where are some good trips that we can take to do some live shows at yeah not actual like live shows in the studio but going actually on the scene like recording an episode at an actual haunted place and we did get some good uh suggestions and we are going to do that. That is in our future. Yeah. So be prepared for that. See, one guy suggested that we fly into Denver and knock out Denver International Airport, which I think we said that. Might as well. Then he said to stay at the Stanley Hotel in Est Park for a ghost hunt podcast episode. Okay. Stanley Hotel is famous for the inspiration behind The Shining. Ooh. And will make a great haunted stay. Yeah, I'll keep us locked inside the room, and then I'll be trying to type up an episode, and you'll come and bother me. And I'm going to say, when you hear me typing, you do not come in here. Here's Danielson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. But that was suggested by uh, Brandino. Well, thank you. Yeah, we're going to definitely check that out. Yeah. I mean, I do want to go to Denver International Airport. I've never been there, so I'm curious. I've never been there either. I've never been... On the west side. I've been all on the east side, but never on the west side. All right, Tupac. No, Biggie was from the east side. Technically, they were both from the east side, but Tupac yeah. went over the west side. So, yeah. True. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just here. You got, <laughs> you got anything else you want to say before we roll this out? Uh, no, I'm good. All right. Well, I guess let's end the episode. I'm getting hungry. You talking about that barbecue. Dude, I want more barbecue now. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to thank you for joining us today. And again, thank you so much for your support. You are amazing, every single one of you. So with that being said, Dan, you want to roll us out? Of course. It's okay to be out of this world with your thoughts. Because you are not alone. <laughs>